What's happening, everybody? On today's show, several SEC teams punched their tickets to Omaha, proving the SEC West was probably stronger than we thought this season. And a disappointing end to the year for the Tennessee Volunteers, the number one seed as their uh, season is cut short. And Arch Manning visits Alabama, tries on the uniform. We'll discuss that. Locked on SEC starts right now. You are Locked On SEC, your daily podcast on the Southeastern Conference. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And what is happening, everybody? Welcome into Locked on SEC. Great to have you guys along. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Bet BetOnline has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, it is where the game starts. I'm Chris Gordy. Thanks for making Locked on SEC your first listen every day. Remember, Locked on SEC is free and available on all platforms, including YouTube and at LockedOnSEC.com. All right, let's jump into it. Plenty to discuss from the weekend that was in the Super Regionals as several SEC teams in play, five to be exact. But first, before we get to what happened on Sunday, we got to go back to a little bit on Saturday. As history was made for the SEC in baseball on Saturday, as all five SEC teams picked up victories on Saturday, that is something that no other conference has ever done in the history of the Super Regionals. Five W's on Saturday. Now, that wasn't the case on Sunday. We'll get to that uh, here. Everything was going according to plan for the Tennessee Volunteers. The number one seed on Sunday at Lindsey Nelson Stadium. The Vols led Notre Dame 3-1 to heading to the seventh inning. Freshman sensation Chase Burns was cruising through six. Allowed just one run, but with Carter putts on base, Catcher David Lamana sent a line drive over the right field wall to even the score. And soon after, Notre Dame ran across a bunch of more runs, and they punched their ticket to Omaha. Tennessee's bats were cooled by a trio of Notre Dame pitchers, including freshman standout Jack Finley, who just two days after throwing 58 pitches went five innings, allowing just one hit and shutting down the top-seeded volunteers. Tennessee, by the way, was 49-0 when leading after six innings coming into Sunday. Tennessee trailed by one in the eighth. They were positioned to have two outs with a runner on, but Trey Lipscomb made a low throw to first that Luke Lipsius could not pick, putting two all with one out instead, and the Irish took advantage. And so the door closes on what was otherwise a historically great season for the Tennessee Volunteers, a team that won A program record 57 games, but they cannot get the win that they needed most as Tony Vitello's bunch put up a ton of home runs all season long, got some really good pitching on the staff. Evan Russell and Luke Lipsius, they broke Todd Helton's career home run record on Saturday, both hitting their 39th career home runs. Todd Helton even gave a tip of the cap to them. But the team that had the best record in college baseball for much of this season comes up one win short of a return trip to Omaha. And the crazy thing is, and we talked about it on Friday's podcast, remember Ryan Cole, left fielder for Notre Dame, was asked what might be troubling about the Fighting Irish from the Tennessee perspective, and he said, quote, I couldn't tell you exactly what they see, but if I were them, I'd be a little scared. I think we're a very dangerous team. Well, 
Notre Dame Irish proved to be. So while the Vol fans in our audience are upset and disappointed, I will say this. I've seen a lot of SEC team, uh, other SEC fans peacocking, celebrating when they saw the Vols get eliminated. There seemed to be a theme out there of karma coming back and biting the Vols. Some opposing fan uh, uh, teams considered the Vols classless in several aspects and flipping the bird and things like this. Again, you know, like I've seen some Tennessee fans say, if that was happening on your team, you would have embraced it. You would have loved it. You would have said that's awesome. But when it's not your team, uh, some people take that differently and say, oh, you're classless and are going to celebrate when they see you go down. In fact, known SEC hater Danny Cannell, he tweeted out, congrats Tennessee baseball in a great season. So many, many memorable moments like flipping opponents off, rounding the bases. Coach getting tossed for chest bumping an umpire. Crying over balls and strikes. And of course, so many pimped out bat, flip, bat flips. What a legacy. Hashtag daddy gang. Again, if you're Tennessee, you won the SEC title. You won the SEC tournament. A lot to celebrate and not hang your head over. The Tony Vitello era has been very good uh, and made Tennessee baseball very relevant in a strong way once again. But falling one game short of a return trip to Omaha at your house in a game you had the lead late, it just stings that much more. So, you have the offseason to regroup. But again, just understand from the other 13 teams in the SEC perspective why some of those other schools may be celebrating your demise rather than uh, saying, hey, great season otherwise. Now let's get into a little bit on some of the teams who did punch their ticket. We start on Saturday as Texas A&M beat Louisville on Saturday 4-3 to become the first team to advance to the College World Series this season. Coach Jim Schlossnagel needed just one season to turn last place Texas A&M baseball into a College World Series contender as A&M is heading back to the College World Series for the first time since 2017, sweeping Louisville in front of a combined 13,000-plus fans in two days, AM punched their ticket to Omaha. Fans watched on as that same team that lost the series to Ivy League Penn back in February became the first program to go prepare for a national title. On Friday night, they delivered a 5-4 walk-off victory over Louisville as Troy Clonch delivered some Olsen Field magic after midnight. It was a late one. I fell asleep on it. Uh, and then Micah Dallas pitched well enough on Saturday to keep the Aggies in it. A sack fly from Dylan Rock scored the go-ahead run in the seventh, and the Aggies held on to get the victory. It's just a very impressive year one performance by the longtime TCU head coach, Jim Schlossnagel, who we had on the show before the start of the season. And I remember talking to Coach Schloss about, you know, how challenging this thing was going to be to build this thing up, and it was going to take some time. He made it seem like, you know, this is going to be a rebuild. It was going to take, uh, you know, a couple of years to get this thing really back on the tracks and going strong. But, man, it took him no time at all to live up to the expectations of College Station, taking the Aggies in year one to Omaha. I just want to stress, the Aggies didn't even qualify for the SEC tournament a year ago. They have found some pieces there. Uh, Jim Schlossnagel has done a fantastic job finding some arms, and finding some guys to deliver some big clutch hits. And the Texas A&M Aggies going to Omaha. Absolutely nothing short of impressive 
what Jim Schlossnagel has done in year one. And by the way, future SEC foe Oklahoma, they won the Blacksburg Super Regional over Virginia Tech. So Texas A&M will face the Sooners in the Aggies' first game of the 2022 College World Series. So some former Big uh, Big 12 blood against one another there. But, uh, man, can't say enough about what Schloss did. It's just unbelievable. You know, when we go back and look at our uh, – schedule you know our show previewing the sec baseball season this year i remember saying you know i think jim schlossnagel is a good head coach but i just thought you know with what the talent he inherited on this team just didn't think it was going to be good good enough and i think a lot of people felt that same way unbelievable that the aggies are competing for a national championship in omaha and you're one i mean what are expectations down the road for Schlossnagel? What if he doesn't make Omaha next year? It's going to be a disappointment. But nonetheless, I know those fans at College Station are fired up, and uh, congrats to them for ex- exceeding expectations big time in year one. All right, when we return, we're going to get into Ole Miss and Arkansas, what it took for them to punch their tickets and their chances moving forward. We'll get to that in just a second. But need to remind you guys about our friends at BetOnline. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your betting stats and sports information, find out all the latest sports developments, news and odds, including you got the NBA Finals going on, you got the NHL Finals, you got Major League Baseball, and of course all the latest fighting news from MMA to UFC to boxing. Bet Online is your continued source for all your sports wagering information, including live betting, esports, and more. Head on over to their website today. You can do so on your mobile device, learn about all the trends and action. I always tell you, bookmark the page on your phone. It should be the first place you start every day at betonline.net. It is BetOnline, and it is where the game starts. Continuing on here, Locked On SEC. Thanks for making Locked on SEC your first listen every day. Quick reminder, the ultimate NBA mock draft starts June 16th. With over 50 insiders, nothing equals the ultimate NBA mock draft. The Locked on NBA big board, draft experts, plus the Odyssey insiders. First pick is June 16th. Search ultimate NBA mock draft and follow so you don't miss a pick. All right, let's jump back into it. Discussing what happened this past weekend in the Super Regionals. The next team to punch their ticket. We already talked about Texas A&M punching their ticket. How about the Ole Miss freaking Rebels? Many thought weren't even going to make the postseason. And they are going to Omaha. The Rebels shut out Southern Miss in Hattiesburg on Saturday 10 to nothing, Before coming out back to shut them out again on Sunday 5 to nothing. On Saturday, Divin... Uh, Dylan DeLucia pitched uh, five and two-third innings, shutout ball, nine strikeouts. Tim Elko drove in three runs on Saturday. And then on Sunday, we were scoreless until the bottom of the fifth. The Rebels put up a three-spot to take the lead. And as I mentioned, went on to win it five to nothing, shutting out Southern Miss in their own Super Regional in Hattiesburg. Remember all that talk of, hey, you know, the Southern Miss folks are trying to make it difficult on the Ole Miss fans on getting tickets to the Super Regional. Well, the Ole Miss faithful showed out. They were repre- represented well there in Hattiesburg, and now they're going to be represented in Omaha. And 
I got to say this, Mike Bianco, he was dead man walking, it felt like, at one point. I mean, literally a few weeks ago, the talk was Ole Miss was going to miss the postseason, and, you know, change might have to be made that maybe just Mike Bianco's run his course, and everybody loves him. He's a great guy, and he's been there a long time, but prior to this one trip to Omaha, it just was kind of like, what are we doing? And now <laughs> he's completely redeemed himself. Probably going to get a contract extension out of this and a chance to win the whole damn thing in Omaha. Uh, I do have to give a hap tip on uh, Sunday. Hunter Elliott outstanding on the mound for the uh, Rebels. Pitching seven and a third innings, allowing no runs off just three hits with ten strikeouts. And Ole Miss going to face the winner of the Auburn-Oregon State Super Regional over in Omaha. Congrats to the Rebels. Again, a lot of people just had them, you know, the projected not even to make the postseason a couple weeks ago. In fact, we thought it. I, kept, I even said it on this podcast that both Mississippi teams were going to miss the postseason. Mississippi State, obviously, the reigning national champs. Wouldn't it be something if Ole Miss could break through and win it this year and both teams of the Egg Bowl rivalry winning baseball championships? That would be something. But again, big congrats to Mike Bianco. Heck of a year for the Ole Miss Rebels to punch all the right buttons and get them to Omaha. Unbelievable. The other SEC West team seems to be a theme here, but the other SEC West team that has punched their ticket, Dave Van Horn and the Arkansas Razorbacks. They are back in Omaha. Will the Thrill McIntyre, he pitched a shutout five and two-third innings. And the Razorbacks got their job done to win the Chapel Hill Super Regional and advance back to Omaha, winning 4-1 to on Saturday before going on to win Game 2 on Sunday. Arkansas had a 2-0 lead for much of Game 2 on Sunday before the North Carolina Tar Heels came back to tie it 2-2 in the 7th, uh, getting into the Arkansas bullpen. The Tar Heels then took the lead in the top of the ninth, 3-2. But the Razorbacks would not be denied. They scored two runs in the bottom of the ninth for the walk-off win. Brady Slavin sent the Hogs to Omaha with a base hit up the middle to walk it off, scoring Peyton Stovall. And the Razorbacks going to play for the College World Series. Connor Nolan, by the way, pitched a gem on Saturday, going six and two-third innings, allowing no runs off six hits with six strikeouts. Peyton Stovall hit a home run. Braden Webb had a bunch of hits with a home run. And the Razorbacks are right where they wanted to be in the College World Series. I can't help but think last year's Razorbacks team that won 50 games saw their season come to a crushing end at home in that Super Regional falling to NC State. It's just so funny because you look at it and go, that last year's team was better. Last year's team was more talented. They have more weapons. Funny how it works out that way. But uh, Arkansas. The 2022 Arkansas Razorbacks are heading to Omaha. They will play the winner of the Stanford-UConn Super Regional. And uh, congrats to Dave Van Horn and congrats to Hawks fans who I know were disappointed and heartbroken last season and how that ended. And much how Tennessee feels today. Will Tennessee be that team to rebound next year and get back to Omaha, kind of like Arkansas is in this spot? Now, quick disclosure here. As of the time we are recording this podcast, it's early on a Sunday evening. Auburn and Oregon State have not played. Auburn leads that series 1-0. Uh, 
If Auburn goes on to beat Oregon State in this game, obviously Auburn will be advancing as well. We just have no way of knowing because uh, the time we're recording here, playing on the stupid West Coast with 9 p.m. Central starts, it's just very difficult. So Tuesday show, we will completely recap whatever happens with Oregon and Oregon State and Auburn. But go Auburn Tigers. Let's see if we can get our fourth SEC West team to punch their ticket to Omaha. But we'll have a full recap for you very soon. Just one other uh, baseball note I, I saw. LSU, one of the teams that did not uh, was not able to overcome Southern Miss in the regional round and uh, ended their season first year under Jay Johnson. LSU already making some news via the transfer portal for 2023 on Saturday. Right-hander Dylan Teabrake out of Creighton announced he is committing to LSU via the transfer portal. He spent four seasons with uh, Creighton and was the ace the past two years. He tweeted out, Excited to announce I will be grad transferring to LSU. He was the pitcher of the year in the Big East for two years running, winning the award in 2021 and 2022. This year he went 8-2 and two in 17 starts with a 281 ERA and 115 strikeouts in 93 innings pitched. For his career, he's thrown for over 220 innings, over 49 appearances, made 37 starts with a 2.84 ERA. He has allowed just 14 home runs in his career. So that's a big addition for LSU. And kind of looking at it going, man, if LSU had only had that guy this season, they could have probably punched their ticket and uh, been in Omaha. But uh, nonetheless, a uh, big pickup there for LSU for the 2023 baseball season. Thank you guys again for making Locked On SEC your first listen every day. Coming up next, we're going to talk about Arch Manning at Alabama. Wearing an Alabama uniform. What does that mean for his recruiting? We'll discuss that in just a second. But uh, we will return in just a second right here on Locked on SEC. All along here, Locked On SEC. Thanks again for making us your first listen every day. And uh, got some football nuggets to hit on very quickly, so let's do it. Let's go around the conference. Boots out to the right. Makes the handoff. Throws. Into the ball. What a catch. Around the conference. Arch Manning, the top player in the 2023 recruiting class. Grandson of Archie Manning, son of Cooper Manning, nephew of Peyton and Eli Manning. His recruitment being followed very closely and three major schools seem to be on his final list. Now, he has not named the final one, but according to a lot of pundits following this very closely, they think it's a three-horse race between Alabama, Georgia, and Texas. A few weeks ago, we saw him don the Georgia uniform in his visit in Athens. And over this past weekend, Arch visited Tuscaloosa. And he tweeted, there, there are pictures put out there on social media of him wearing the Alabama gear. Uh, the picture that he took was alongside a four-star offensive lineman for 2023, but why this is interesting is Alabama just recently landed the commitment from four-star quarterback Eli Holstein out of the state of Louisiana, but many expect the Tide to stay involved with Arch Manning's recruitment. Manning faces a big decision where he'll play his college ball and he's taking his time to make the right decision. There was also another picture that came out later with Manning wearing a gray Alabama sweatsuit in a photo uh, with several other 
uh, recruits on their visits as well. Arch Manning, uh, or rather Steve Wolfong from 24-7 Sports said over the weekend, I'm told there was a group text going on with the 14 visitors and they were still having dialogue after they all left uh, Alabama. He said Georgia is still very much in the mix for Arch Manning. They have as good a shot as anybody to land him, in my opinion. But his coach said he's trying to enjoy all his official visits. It's a fun time for him. He's in a good spot, and he's having fun. Had a good time at Georgia and at Alabama. So, we will see uh, as Arch maybe gets closer to making a decision. But nonetheless, a lot of Alabama fans tweeting out over the weekend. Arch looks good in the crimson colors. Uniform looks good on him. Oh, he's smiling in that photo. He's smiling more in the photo at Alabama than he was at Georgia. He must have had it. Must be happier. Must have had a better trip. Just very funny to dive into some of the uh, extra stuff that goes with the recruiting. Nobody knows where Arch is going right now. And again, I'm told by several people, Texas still very much in the mix for him as well. This thing uh, could still take more time, but um, we're not surprised. Would not surprise me if he picked Alabama. Of course, we would see maybe a decommitment from Eli Holstein if that were to happen. Would not surprise me if he went to Georgia. Yes, Georgia's got some other talented quarterbacks on that roster, but with Stetson Bennett moving on, could start there. Bryce Young moving on from Alabama. Arch could start there uh, after this coming season. So plenty of things on the table for Arch Manning, and his recruitment will be one we will continue to monitor you're unlocked on SEC in the coming weeks. Kentucky could be making an interesting addition to their running back group. Uh, Kentucky hosted Ramon Jefferson, a transfer portal running back who got some all-American recognition at FCS program Sam Houston State. Jefferson talked about his visit with 24-7 Sports. He said, it was nice. I really enjoyed it. I really like their offensive scheme. I feel like it'll fit my playing style. The staff and players I spoke with are really down to earth and open. Great conference. And Kentucky has been very successful over the past few seasons. Jefferson has been in the transfer since portal since back in January after a couple of weeks in the portal. He committed to Colorado, then decommitted back in May. And according to 24-7 Sports, he has been in contact with several programs, including Tennessee and Kentucky. His career began in 2017 at Maine. After two seasons there, he transferred to Garden City Community College in Kansas. And after a JUCO year, he came back to uh, the NCAA ranks, attending Sam Houston. Uh, in 2021, he rushed 173 times for 1,100 yards and 13 touchdowns, was voted All-American second team by the Associated Press and Phil Steele. So we will see what happens with Ramon Jefferson, but Kentucky hoping to land him. And one more note before we get out of here. South Carolina had a nice day of recruiting on Sunday as Gamecocks added three recruits to their 2023 class. We start with Cameron Upshaw, a three-star safety out of the state of Florida. He announced his commitment before his official visit ended. And according to Wes Mitchell of Gamecock Central, four-star wide receiver Kelton Henderson, another Florida native, he committed to South Carolina. He's the number 19 athlete in the class of 2023, the number 56 overall recruit from the state of Florida. And their third commit was from Connor Cox, a three-star tight end from the state of Florida, listed at 6'5", 220 pounds, 
He's the number 34 ranked tight end in the class of 2023. So three big pickups there, all from the state of Florida for Shane Beamer and South Carolina. Cameron Ups Upshaw, three-star safety. Connor Cox, a three-star tight end. And Kelton Henderson, a four-star wide receiver. So congrats to uh, South Carolina. Nice pickups there for Shane Beamer. And there you have it. You're all caught up. That is just about going to do it for this edition of Locked On SEC. My thanks to you guys for listening and subscribing. Reminder to check out the video version on YouTube or continue to uh, subscribe and listen to our audio version of the podcast where you can find wherever you get your podcast. Uh, we'll be back later in the week talking more on football. Of course, we had the big news come out recently that the uh, Big 12 going to make their additions next summer. What does that mean for Texas and Oklahoma? We'll have more of that discussion later in the week, so make sure you're subscribed and checking that out later in the week. Again, my thanks to you guys. Thank you for making Locked On SEC your first listen every day. Now you can go make your second listen. Check out some of our other great Locked On podcasts across the uh, podcast network. And uh, with the NBA draft right around the corner, the NBA Big Board podcast, they're taking an in-depth look into the biggest prospects, latest player rankings, and, of course, big boards. Follow Locked on NBA Big Board every day on the Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Chris Gordy. This has been Locked on SEC. Have a great day, everybody.